Workforce Transformation, a future of work where individuals are owners of their own career. Companies buying work outcomes, not employees, on the open market. Welcome to State of Independence, the podcast about how independent work has completely transformed the U.S. economy and how you can take advantage of it. I'm your host, Asya Haq, Vice President of Talent Marketing at MBO Partners. Welcome to another episode of our Voices of Independence series. Today, we will talk with Rodney Mann, Independent Management Consultant and founder of Steeplechase Advisory Group. We will talk about how Rodney parlayed his deep industry experience into a successful independent consulting career and why he has chosen this path. We will also discuss the article he has written for the inaugural issue of MBO's new Advantage Consulting Quarterly magazine. Hello, Rodney. It is wonderful to have you join our State of Independence podcast. You know, I've enjoyed getting to know you as a member of the MBO Advantage program and have really enjoyed um, seeing you be a part of the team that has worked on the launch of the consulting magazine. And we're definitely going to enjoy speaking about a little bit of a teaser on your topic. But before we do that, I always love to share a little bit more about my guests from sort of a backstory standpoint, sort of how did they get to where they are? Who are they? So I'd love to know your story of coming into independent consulting life and your personal and career story that has brought you to the stage. Oh, thanks, Asya. Um, it's been a pleasure working with you and the MBO team. It's been an interesting journey. I think I've been a consultant for, let's call it 25 plus years. Started off out of grad school, like most people, went into large traditional firms, had some success in those, had a couple little ventures on my own. And I worked in a few firms, basically large and small. And then in the last, I'll say, five years, started feeling that I could have a bigger impact, my clients, and just as importantly, have more fun. After a while doing this career for as long as I have, you tend to move away from from what I call the work. It's more beneficial, I think, to work with broader-based teams and all that. And what I found is that I can have the biggest impact when I work directly with clients. I guess this is my third time starting up uh, my own firm. I started it with some other people previously, grew them to 15, 20 people, did another firm, which was probably a little bit less adventurous. And then um, after my most recent venture with a midsize consulting firm, I decided to kind of embark out on my own again. And that's been a little over two years now. That's so wonderful. So tell us a little bit for the benefit of our audience, what Steeplechase Advisory does in terms of the areas of practice focus. Yeah, well, Steeplechase Advisory, and I'll take credit, but it actually was pure luck in terms of coming up with the name. The name was based on the street my wife grew up on in Nashville, Tennessee, and I just thought it was cool. Um, as opposed to Rodney's consulting gang or something. In hindsight, what I do is very apropos of the name. I help companies jump over barriers, get through complex situations. Currently, there's a term called digital transformation, which everybody seems to be glomming onto. Basically, transformation is change. My whole life has been around helping companies change, both from a strategic, operational technology, and now in the last five to 10 years, data has almost overtaking some of the other disciplines. And that intersection or that little, God, this is another consulting word, Venn diagram, is where I focus on. 
And that's where complexity happens. That's where difficulty happens. That's where barriers get built. And now steeplechase can help you jump over them. <laughs> I love it. And I love the story of your wife's you know, street that she grew up on. I feel like those little personal insights are what humanize yes. a business. And it's interesting. I was just chatting with Peter, who you know well, and who is also a guest on the podcast. And we were chatting about this idea of what sets an independent consultant apart and what makes them successful. And the term that he used was, well, you know, we can all catch on to a trend like he described agile. We can all sort of say that we offer certain services, but his advice was be human, you know, be yourself when you're talking to your clients and to your buyers. And at the end of the day, it's that authenticity that stands out. In the same vein, with the years of experience you've had, and you know, uniquely for you, not just the big firms, also the mid-size um, startup firms, what is your advice to others that are experienced consultants, maybe looking to make the leap for what they should be thinking about and focusing on to be successful? I mean, it's a great question. And I think there's multiple avenues that people can explore. There's been a lot of talk recently generated by fears around the pandemic, fears around what's what's out there, what happens to the pure nature of work. And I think a lot of what you, Miles and Jean, have been doing with the podcast and with MBO in general, I think fit nicely into that paradigm. But in general, for somebody contemplating going become independent, you have to have a passion. You need to have a credibility with people, and then you need to demonstrate that you can work with them. And that varies across the board. And that's one of the things that's so interesting about going off and becoming independent. It could be you're very good at implementing a certain type of package, and you have a strong skill set, and you are perfect at Salesforce in the cloud, and you can do that. Then the other end of the spectrum, like Peter or myself, you're a seasoned consultant who can cut across a broad range of activities and help senior executives enact change or manage the whole the process of change. Um, and change, I mean, more encompassing, really, how do you get from where you are today to how do you to where you sit, sit yourself up in the future, which encompasses almost everything an organization brings to the table. And typically, there's a lot of external pressures. And then there's different niches within that. You know, some people are very good at technology. Some people are very good at, I mean, we have some people in our group that are very good at bringing together contracts around government RFPs and bringing people to bear on that. That is a skill that they're passionate about and they derive value from that. And clients, I think, gravitate towards people who have that passion and they can see the value they bring out of it. Independent means that you are not affiliated with the organization. Because some of us have organizations to ourselves. I mean, you know, whether it's very virtual, that, you know, if I, I can staff a five-person team if I need to, or I can staff myself to a project or to a client. And it just, it's that fungibility, I think, that's very essential going forward. But I think people need to understand what they bring. I think people need to understand the passion around what they're starting off with. And it could change. You could have three different companies that you're focusing on different parts of a certain value chain. But as long as you help the client understand how you can add value to them, I think you'll be successful. 
great advice and the combination of passion, you know, the versatility that you mentioned, I think, and then focus and a sort of client facing energy or orientation. I think you've hit on what we certainly know at MBO are the elements of a successful life in independent consulting. Everybody has their own personal life cycle. Um, within that, it's understanding where you are and your personal life cycle, what you think could be different than how people perceive your life cycle. So if you've been in the business two years and have, well, we'll take the Salesforce example, have done a lot of Salesforce implementations, I don't think too many people are going to hire you to do a division-wide transformation. Salesforce could be part of that and you could add significant value but they are not going to compensate you or bring you on board to drive that whole entire program if you haven't demonstrated it in the past. That makes a whole lot of sense. That's a, an excellent, excellent point and probably one for our uh, more junior professionals that are aspiring to a career as independents because we know that from the State of Independence report that really more than 50% of Americans will experience independent life. And actually the armchair desire to be an independent is even higher than the ones that will actually experience it. So you're, you know, you're creating a really strong, I think, reality check of know where you are in your career and know what your career equity really of experiences will allow you to accomplish as an independent. And it sounds like also finding and partnering with more successful independents and and leveraging their networks to grow your business would, would be a smart thing to do. And I know you you do a little bit of that. So I want to shift gears a little bit and speak about the consulting magazine that the MBO Advantage organization is launching. And you've been a key part of this and a driver and one of our authors for the upcoming launch. And the theme more broadly that the team settled on was resilience, but each of us has looked at that in really different ways. I would love to hear your sort of overview thoughts teaser to the content that you'll be talking about in your part of the magazine launch. And of course, our uh, listeners, our audience will get to also connect to that and view that content. Sure. I mean, I think the magazine was a great way, what you were talking about, of utilizing other resources to make the sum of the parts be greater than just you individually. We came together on the concept of resilience. So we've gone through a norm shattering, upending type of period. We're still in the middle of it. So everybody being resilient, coming back and figuring out what we're going to do. Um, one of the things that struck me is we keep hearing about, oh, we're going to go back to the new normal or the new, new normal. And I don't know if normal is ever going to be reached again. And what is normal? And so I started kind of contemplating, how do you come back to something when you don't know where you're going to be? So the whole concept of uncertainty, how does a business, large, small, whatever, plan for an uncertain future that has more uncertainty than ever before in our lifetimes? Typically in the past, even with different looking at different types of situations and variables and all that, we typically plan on where we are now, where we want to be and kind of match up those steps that we take. People have dabbled in, well, there's different scenarios and you can create two by twos and look at if this happens, then we lean this way and that. But it's still a linear type of thinking. And one of the things that I thought about is how do you make progress towards the future when the future is who knows? So what I, my article is laying out, how do you examine where you are as a company 
And how do you get back to thinking about what the future will be as opposed to dealing with kind of how do we survive mode or how do we make sure people are safe and healthy in their homes? And, you know, we don't know if this is going to last for four months, six months, a year. How do we deal with it as an organization and also with our clients, with our customers, with our suppliers along that path towards the future, whatever the future might bring? You know, I think I saw something about this the other day. How do you strategically look at the future when strategy is totally different than what it was before? One of the concepts I love is instead of working left to right, like taking where you are today and how do we improve it? Why don't we figure out where we want to be out in the unknown future and then kind of step back with the understanding that it could totally change. So it's really taking a look at the variables that'll impact us and the ones that we can control and the ones that we can't control. That is so fascinating. And I can already see, you know, even in the stuff, you know, we're in the middle of annual planning at a BO, looking at objectives and resources and, and how we're going to deliver results. And there is a tendency because you have things that just in the present day in a, in a time of growth and flux need to get done, but the ability to partner with someone to simultaneously look at the future, you know, with an experienced resource like you, and to do that backward map, you said the right to left. I mean, I see the value proposition in that. And, and, you know, I'll just share with you what came to mind as you were speaking. It's almost reminded me of the Maslow framework. Yeah. So yeah. to use another consulting framework, you know, who is making sure that the lights are on? You, you do want to make sure that somebody is keeping the lights on if you're a business leader. So you, you need the base of your pyramid to be healthy. Otherwise, you're in trouble. But if you simultaneously resourced the top of the pyramid and then allowed, you know, the forces to go bottom to top as well as top to bottom, I could see a much better outcome. So yeah. um, I, I think uh, I see the opportunity there and I'm really curious to see how you frame this out and looking forward to reading and sharing your content with our community. Yeah, I mean, a while back, there was a lot of work done on scenario plan. And what I'm thinking is it's slightly different that because that was like, it's still the traditional linear way of thinking, but let's look at all the possibilities of, a, of all the variables. And then we can come up with different ways that the world could change. And I think action is better than inaction. And I'd rather have people, I think, take a look at what they can control, what they can't control, but build the term I call operating models, which is really how you kind of work that focus on what you can control and then have ready to act if one of the different variables tilt one way versus the other way. We don't know when people are going to come into offices. So if you're, you know, let's say you're a large bank with a large customer service function, they've already started moving people where they're doing work out of their homes. You know, and that's been going on for a long time, pre-pandemic. But what happens if you have no physical structure now? Or how do you do the physical structure in the future when you have portions of your workforce there and they move them out? And as long as everything's safe and secure, you can start building towards that. But then what happens if we get, you know, the next strain? or the next or that, how do you adjust and work within that? And I think that's, that's where it gets fascinating. So it's really trying to create strategy that is not static, but is more dynamic. Your example is actually so relevant. We have a theme within State of Independence, which is called remote work is here to stay. 
And it, you know, we dive pretty deep in the report, which is available at mbopartners.com backslash state of independence. And it's 10 years of trending data. But I've spent some time particularly digging into the remote work area because it's just a personal interest for me. I spent a lot of time interacting with co-working leaders and looking at, you know, that was sort of a front end force for people working in a new way when it first began as a theory. Now it's very much a part of the workforce mix. And what you're describing, the practical problem for a large organization, you use the financial services example, you know, trying to house their customer service team. I mean, that's dollars and cents that that is not just dollars and cents. It's also shareholder value because your customer service individual, while sometimes they are the lower paid individuals within an organization, they are the front line to the customer. If something goes wrong there, it goes wrong everywhere. That's my belief. So very, very practical and actually very strategic example that you brought up and really makes me think that within our own client base, we're going to see that there's many like that, that companies are struggling with just in the present because remote work is here to stay or a hybrid workforce is a part of our future reality. And we haven't figured out how to do that right. I mean, one of my clients is a consulting firm, and I've been working with them around, you know, go-to-market strategies and how to develop account plans and how to develop different geographies. But then they were struggling with how do I work in a COVID environment? And then what do I do once it starts changing? You know, because the traditional account calling officers or um, relationship people, you know, it, it has a big component of physical presence. So what happens when that physical presence is not there, but then how do you get it back and it won't be the same as it was before? Because we all have different states of reality in what we're going through now. And so how do you modify what you do to develop whatever your relationships are and ultimately your businesses? Some of the things that just like the financial services example, think about real estate. What do you do with a cost expense when it's variable? Um, the industry went, consulting industry went through this long time ago when they started doing, well, assessments realized and they had a lot of deaths for people who were always at clients. So they did what they called hoteling, which is kind of like you sign up for a specific space and then it's, it's much more virtual and people ended up, you know, they work at the client four days or whatever, and they would work from home Fridays if, or go into the office for a certain time, but they kind of schedule, schedule their locations. What happens when the whole world's like, or part of it is? Or maybe some of your clients are and you're not. Or, you know, what about people who do the maintenance on the buildings? How, how do they deal with all this fluctuation and things? So it's a, once you start unraveling the onion, it gets really, really fascinating in all the different aspects of what's going on. To me, I, I'm very much a glass is half full, not a glass is half empty person. And I think there's two different types, you know, in the world, we know that. And certainly this could be a glass half empty situation that we're in today. I mean, you know, there's a long road ahead of us. But to me, when you frame things as positive challenges, rather than as, you know, moments of disaster or doom, which is the other way of looking at it, you know, what do I do with this building? Or, you know, what do I do with this workforce, which is, you know, someone might be feeling that they might be feeling the burden of that. And it might really be weighing them down, right? If they're a business leader today, being able to look at that problem in a positive way and see where the new opportunities are, that is going to get us up on our feet. And to me, that's a big part of what I see as resilience. It's my favorite quote is, you know, a law of physics, right? Which is bodies in motion remain in motion. 
and bodies at rest remain at rest. So the last thing we want to do as a society in the face of the kind of tremendous change that we're experiencing is just rest. And my worry is, and I'll just be candid, is that how do we ensure that wholesale work from home doesn't exhaust us to the point that people just slow down and stop, right? So we need people that will keep us moving. So whether you know, that's you, that's others, it's it's our own personal motivation. I think it's the the missing link for me in, in the future of the workforce. We are process-oriented people, whether we know it or not. We don't typically do things kind of haphazard. You know, and, and we're also very pattern oriented, especially the closer you get to being in some kind of economic model. You know, I think that's what makes a lot of the world work without having chaos. We've just been caught in nine, 12 months, whatever you want to think about and how long it's going to be of being in a very chaotic, non-flowing way. And so how do you kickstart that? Just think about the industry that's developed on the side of how the, you know personal productivity. I mean, it's amazing what's out there in terms of all these people who have created little niches for themselves, helping people figure out how to work from their houses or work in a virtual way. And I think that will continue regardless of whatever we have. But I think the tools and the ways of thinking have always been there. We've just gotten this huge shove of trying to act in a way. I mean, people have talked about five years of change and within the last nine months, I think it's 10 or 15 years, but it's not that we have to invent new tools and all that. They've existed, but we now have to utilize them and embrace them. And that's what gets interesting. And I think the biggest way to look at this from your half full, half empty concept is whenever there is uncertainty, there's opportunity. Opportunity is where we kind of come in to help with that. And that's really all we're trying to do is we're trying to help people through uncertainty to get to something that's a little more certainty, a little more productive, a little more efficient or whatever you call it. And that I think is where by focusing on, you can continually add value with your clients. That's a wonderful, positive way for us to end our conversation. I've so enjoyed this. And as I mentioned, appreciated and enjoyed getting to know you and working with you as a community member inside MBO Advantage and really looking forward to sharing the output of what you all have collectively created when we launch the magazine. Thank you so much, Rodney, for your time. Oh, my pleasure, Asya, and I really appreciate it. And thank you for the kind words. That was Rodney Mann management consultant and founder of Steeplechase Advisory Group. Rodney is a member of the MBO Advantage program, our exclusive membership program that helps successful independent practice owners scale their business success and build a powerful network. You can find more about Rodney by viewing his profile on the MBO Advantage Meet the Members page. For more on the MBO Advantage program and for more of MBO's insights on the future of work, visit mbopartners.com or find another episode of State of Independence wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.